All right, First Thessalonians chapter two. We're going to be looking at this evening, verses 7 through 12. He says, But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us, For we remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses of God, also how hollily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. And you know that we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children." that you would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, uh, Lord, I love you. I ask your blessing upon the service tonight, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified and honored. Lord, help me to stay true to your word. Please work and draw us closer to you, Lord. I pray for your, I pray for your mercy, your grace, and your help. Lord, please use your word to strengthen your people, to draw us closer to you. May this truly help us, to help us as a church and as families. Lord, I I pray that your spirit would have its will in our hearts and lives tonight. Lord, use this to strengthen us. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We all know that in a family, to have the most successful home when it comes to raising children, you need a mother and father to be present. Both have to be there. That's the, that was God's design, that was God's way, it's certainly something that is very true. But what we're seeing now in this text is that's also true in the local church, especially when it comes to the pastor needing to fulfill both those roles, as we're going to see as Paul puts it, both as a mother and as a father. Last week when we began this chapter, and this is still the setting for the same text that we're in right now, Paul was answering some critics. We don't know what was said. Paul doesn't get into that. But clearly, there were some critics that were coming about, talking about Paul. And he was responding. He wasn't responding based on his pride. Um, He avoided that. Paul was truly, uh, uh, we see it time and time again throughout the epistles. He was a man that was never about his name. So that's not why he's defending himself here. He was defending himself for the purpose and for the help of this church that he started. So they don't doubt. So their mind isn't polluted. So they don't turn back. So they don't go the direction of the critic. It's done because his message and the truth he was preaching is just so important. He knew attacks had come upon himself and perhaps even his companions. Uh, Timothy, Luke. And they were done to sway the people... Um, for whatever reason. 
And so we looked at that. We looked at Paul's, I put it as his moxie, his ministry, and his method. Basically, how he reminded them. He said, listen, these are things that you guys know. You know when I was there, you saw my boldness. You saw when I came from Philippi what I just went through. You would think if I was about myself, I would have changed my message. I would have changed my approach because I knew I would suffer as a result. He said, but I didn't change it. I stayed the same. Again, that's just evidence of saying, I'm not putting self here. This wasn't about me when I came to you. And then, of course, he got into his ministry, his approach with it. How his message was true. I didn't preach to you fables. I gave you truth. I gave you exactly what God did for us. I gave you God's word. You knew my manner of life in my ministry was pure. And my methods were right. And then he got into his methods for life. And we finished up with that. Where he avoided, he avoided guile and gold and glory. He was never making it about himself. He wasn't covetous, as he said. He was none of those things. And how he didn't manipulate. He didn't use flattery. It was common of it. It's still common in our day. He didn't use flattery to manipulate. He did none of those things. He said, you know what I did? I, I preached. That's what I did. And now in this section, he's still in context of the critic that was attacking him. But now he's giving us how he approached them personally as a church that he began. How he cared for them. What he's demonstrating is he goes, you remember when I was there, this was real. Remember how I approached you. And so, as we go through this, it provides really a lot of good help for us. Remember, this was a successful church. This is a church that Paul was excited over. They were doing something. He, he wasn't, they didn't have major doctrinal issues coming in. He didn't have immorality taking place. I mean, it was, it was doing something. He was excited about it. And so we see here some keys for a church to be successful, especially in relation to the spiritual leadership in the church and their approach. What, what allows the church to be successful? But also, which I'm not going to go into this too much, I might, I might come back at another time and do a topical coming through this, but there's also a lot of lessons here for parents and children in how to be successful in raising your kids. We see here, we're going to learn very quickly, when Paul's approach to his churches that he started, was he didn't come up with some cool church growth strategy. He didn't. That, that's, that's, the, that's the neat thing to do today. We need to go to these idea days. Come up with some new cool way to attract people. Paul never did that. He, think about that for a second. He never did anything of the sort. Never He's going to go through, he's going to tell them what I did. You know what I did? I preached truth. And then I loved you. That's what he did. And guess what? It worked. It worked. <clears throat> he says, I came here, I preached the gospel, and then I was like a parent. He, he says, I was like a mother to you, and I was like a father to you. And he explains how. So we're going to look at this. We're going to look at here, I got it down to three points. We're going to look at how he had the love of a mother. Um, he had the labor of parents and he had the leading of a father. So let's, let's dive into verse 7 and 8 where we see he had the love of a mother for this church. <clears throat> he says, but we were gentle among you even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionate, desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you, not the gospel of God only, but our own souls, because you were dear unto us. Paul here is showing them both his love and his life that he was willing to give for them. 
He refers to himself here as being gentle among them, as a, as a, as a mother, as, as a nurse, uh, um, as a nursing mother is the picture. And he, he brings out this gentleness, which is needed. It's, we see it in different requirements of being a pastor. This is a requirement of pastors. It's not about shearing the sheep. It's not about being as rough and as brutal as you can be. But it's about leading and it's about feeding. And it's about loving. It's not about just being as hard as you could be. You know, do you understand that that becomes a form of manipulation? It does. Do you know how easy it is to be of that, that mindset as a pastor and I can manipulate? Here's how you know the manipulation when it breaks down. When it was manipulation and it wasn't genuine. I can be rough, you know, because I can come in here and preach, those of you who know like who Phil Kidd is. All right? I come in and preach like Phil Kidd. If, if you haven't heard him, you don't have to look him up. His, his, on his car, he was an evangelist. He's a pastor now, believe it or not. I, I don't know how that might be going great. If it's going great, he changed, I guarantee it. But when he was evangelist, if I remember right, on the cover of the card, it said, the world's most controversial evangelist. Because he was known for just being downright mean from the pulpit. Mean. We had him here for one Sunday. I remember Pastor Roach told me afterwards, he won't be back. He won't be back. He attacked some of our own people right in the church. He doesn't even know him. He said, we, we, we won't have him back. But all of a sudden, if, if you come across and that's who you are, do you understand that in your mind, you're going to want to be on, uh, not as viewed as uh, on the opposite side of what I'm attacking. You're going to want to be identified with, with what I'm saying. For it, in other words. You know, you know, I could get up there and say, you know what, all, all you people who, who don't go sewing, you're a bunch of lazy, no good, you know. Well, I don't want to be that. I don't want to do that. I don't want pastor to think I'm that either. And it, it, you know what, and, and I would see some fruit from that. But know what that is? That's called manipulation. Here's how you know when it all falls apart. When all of a sudden you're faced with something, or you go to another church and there's nothing there and you stop. Because it was never about God. It was about the challenge. It was about not wanting to be viewed in a certain light. Paul said, as, 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 when he approached this church, and kind of pastor, there's a gentleness that is required. A kindness. That's, another, that's, uh, that's part of the meaning of the Greek word that's used here. Not only gentle, but a kindness. Like a parent is to their child. Like a mother is to their child. <clears throat> This same word is used in 2 Timothy 2.24, which says the servant of the Lord, the pastor, must be gentle, mild, kind, gentle. Now, Paul was marked by this in his life. And think of who he was. This is the same man. Think of this. I'm going to get into this when I get in. I think it's in the third point of Paul. He's an impressive man. Again, he is, he is definitely my hero, apart from Jesus Christ in the New Testament. He is, really, he's incredible. What the Lord did with his life. This is the same man that gave permission for the stoning of Stephen. This is the same man that led the persecution of the church. He's describing his love for the church of Thessalonica as a mother. Not just as any mother, but the, the pictures of a nursing mother. His approach to his churches 
was marked by gentleness, kindness, tenderness, compassion. And make no mistake, we do see it in Paul, gentleness is not weakness. It, it's, it's similar to a meekness, if you will. It, it, it's, 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 it, there, there's power and authority there, but he has it controlled. He isn't about his authority. He's about the people. Usually you give people authority, they're obsessed with it. They just want to use it. He had the ability to give himself to the hurting, while at the same time confronting evil whenever necessary. You can see it throughout his epistles. It really is. It's a tough combination to, to try and figure out. When is the gentleness needed? When is the sternness needed? Now, he gives us as to what level to be gentle and kind. He says, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. Again, the pictures of a nursing mother. What a great illustration. Think of it. It's a nursing mother that eats the food that transforms it into milk to feed her child. He's using a perfect illustration. One of tenderness, one of care, one of love. I don't think you can get a more tender picture than the one that he's given us. A more loving analogy. He did not simply use authority. He didn't come in here, you know, no, I have authority. This is what we're going to do. He used the gentleness with it. He led. He used a picture here. He says, remember, when I was there, it was like the love of a mother. Again, instead of just using simply authority, he used love. It, it reminds me of God with us. We're sin did abound, grace did much more abound. God just doesn't use authority with us, does he? He uses a great deal of grace. <clears throat> Again, there's a great picture for pastors, any mature Christian, how we do feed on the Word of God and we share this with others to try and be a help. And you think of it, there's times, and of course all the, the mothers will, will, will know this, but it's easy that if a mother doesn't eat something right, it can actually make the baby sick. It's true. I start feeding on something that isn't right, I'll make you sick. The mother in the relationship is the gentle one. She's the nurturer of the children, the protector through her gentleness. She's the one feeding the baby whatever food she's been given her body, using that to, to, to be a help, to give the, the needed provisions. It's a perfect example of selflessness. It's, it's, it's what she does is not based on, on a great reward out of the relationship. I mean, there, there's, there's no great award coming from being a mother. There's no big kudos. There's usually a crying baby with a lot of dirty diapers. Sleepless nights. They get sick and throw up. They occupy all your time whenever they want your time. That's what it's like. Yet the love and devotion doesn't stop. I mean, when my kids were little and, and they hit that diaper, I'm done. Next. <laughs> Just move that along. Just move that along. We actually sent this video back. I don't know if y'all remember this or if it even got to that part, but we had did an, like an update video halfway through our term in New Guinea just for here. 
And so we put together a DVD showing what was going on. We were there for a couple of years. And at the end, I put in outtakes, stuff that did not go right in the video. And one of those was Levi. Levi was a baby. He's, he's, he's laying in my bed. And on his back, and I'm filming, he's laughing and everything. It's great. And then he vomits like he's possessed of the devil. I mean, he's smiling and everything. He's not sick or anything like that. And I'm filming him, and he's, yeah. And then, like, oh, man. So I did an exorcism right there, buddy. He hasn't thrown up since. <laughs> no. But I did put that in the video, actually, him launching like that. <clears throat> Paul, before this church, he's saying, listen, remember, when I was there, I was like a nursing mother to you. I had devotion. I had compassion. I had kindness. I had gentleness. He said, this was the love that I was... He said, not only that, look what he goes on. He goes, not only did you have my love in that regard, but you also had my life like a mother. Look at, look at number, uh, uh, verse number 8. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. Listen, he says, listen, when he speaks of giving his own soul to them, he's saying, I would give my life for you. So what he's saying. I would give my life. Just like a mother would for a child. I was reading with the devastation that took place with these series of tornadoes that hit several days ago. Now, I'm, I was having trouble remember. I couldn't find the article again. But it was the next day I was, or two days after I was reading it, it might have been referring to another tornado now that I'm thinking about it, but it might have been just this recent one. But it, it was, within that story was one of a mother who had died protecting two daughters. A, a, a mother will certainly give her life protecting her children. Paul saying, I would give my life for you. He said, listen, when I came there, I did just not come there to fulfill my responsibility to preach the gospel. I just didn't come there saying, okay, I have to preach the gospel. It's commanded. I have to preach the gospel to every creature. Let me get this over with. He said, that wasn't me. When I came in, it wasn't simply that. I chose to love you. I chose to care as much as a mother does for her baby. That's what you had in me, and you know it. You, you saw it. <clears throat> In other words, what Paul is saying here, and it makes a big difference in your Christian service. Don't, don't forget this. Love was his motivation and not duty. That makes such a huge difference when you're serving God. He truly sought to be a help. He truly sought. He wanted their life to change. He wanted them to know truth. He wanted them to make good decisions in their life. He wanted them to glorify God. It wasn't just him fulfilling the responsibility of the Great Commission. It was much more than duty to him. And then we see number two, labor of parents. He says, For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail. For laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. There's no need. But he, he reminds them of the hard work that he put in when he was there. He said, listen, remember this too. When I was there... Paul's referring to here, he got a job, no doubt, part of the tent making. He worked. This is why we believe Paul was probably in Thessalonica. We understand the context in Acts 17 where there was a three-week time frame where he ends up causing this enormous uproar. But it is most likely Paul was there for many months. 
he received two offerings from the church at Philippi that came to Thessalonica for him. He worked a job while he was there. He says, when I was there, I wasn't chargeable. In other words, he's saying, I didn't sell you the gospel. Because that was common that day. You'd have people coming in all kinds. There were, there were gods everywhere. People trying to make money off it, make merchandise of it. He said, I never made merchandise of the gospel. I never took anything from you. When I was there, I didn't ask for a penny. What I did was I worked. And you can see, Paul was not a lazy man. Whether he was working during the day or during the evenings, however he did it, then all his other waking hours, he was doing something for that church and for those people. He had the hard work, just like it's hard work to be a parent. He's proving them it was never about money. Nobody can come in there and say that this was about me trying to get money from you because I took nothing from you. It wasn't about covetousness. It wasn't about money. It wasn't some scam. He wasn't coming in selling products. He, he didn't even take a salary. And by the way, this is the biblical pattern. He's given us four missions. Now, don't get me wrong. The, the Apostle Paul is the first one to say, we have it in, we have it in 1 Corinthians, we have it in 1 Timothy chapter 5. He says the church is to pay your pastor. So we're not having a vote, just pull my salary after tonight. All right? It's biblical. Paul backs that in, in several places that you do that. But he's given us the example of missions. When you go in and you're, you are establishing a church in a pagan area, Paul said, you know what? He's, he's given the right perception. They're not going to make. They're not going to say this is about money. I'm not taking anything from them. Nothing. Just like in New Guinea, the entire time I was there with the establishment of two churches, do you think I actually took a salary from them? Of course not. Did I teach them they should tithe? Oh yes. And give? Oh yes, I did. But they knew their smallest of their currency break down. The smallest is a toya. That'd be their penny. Never took one toya. They knew, they, they could never say, okay, yeah, he's just here trying to scam us out of money. Nope. That's the pattern we see for missions right here. All right, and thirdly, let's go to verses 10 and 11, and then we'll get into verse 12. Verse 10 and 11. Now we see the leading of a father. We have the love of a mother and the leading of a father. He says, you are witnesses, and God also, of what? Here, here's what he gets into, how... Hallelujah and justly and unblameably, we, have beha- we behaved ourselves among you that believe. Notice the punctuation. He's not finished yet. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you. Here's how he did all those things. As a father doth his children. So now he goes to the other side. He's already said, listen, I have loved you like a mother. But I led you like a father. Listen, this is, I mean, Paul was impressive. Honestly, I don't know of another person that has more of the spiritual gifts given to us by God than the Apostle Paul. I don't. Studying his life has always been incredible. Think about this. The guy was a brilliant scholar. He was intelligent. I mean, the guy's always wanting books. He could study. Many people that are like this tend to neglect people. Paul never did. He was able to do both. Not only that, it, it gets more with Paul. We also see, in, 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 as we read about his life, he was an organizer. He was somebody that could have a vision, put things in motion, and get it done. He was. He could do that. Those people tend to use people for their own end. Paul didn't. He loved people. 
He never used people for their own end. He never allowed that to be about kingdom building. He never did. Incredible. So now he shows, not only did I love you like a mother, but, but also I led you as a father. And within this, if I'm going to break this down into two areas, which I think is great for our home and for the church. He said, listen, here's basically how I led you. Through example and through instruction. I led you through example and through instruction. He says he, be, he behaved hollowly. This means to be, I'm going to give you the straight definition, we'll see how he's applying it. It means to be pure from crime, to fulfill all obligations, to fulfill all duties. What he's saying, when I was with you, I neglected nothing. What needed to be done, I did. That's what I did. Whatever needed to be done, whatever I recognized in establishing that church right there among you, whatever I felt, listen, I need to do this, I did it. I didn't say, you know what, I'm just too tired. They can figure that out on their own. I think I do that every week here. No, I don't. I'm just kidding. You could laugh. Thank you, Rob. It's a fake laugh. Hypocrite. He also said justly. He said, here's also how my example before you. This, this word means, a little bit different than coming from the word of justification. That's not the same word that's used here. It means, I, I was straight in my dealings with you. No ulterior motives. No sneaky thing to come behind. Nothing like that. I was straight. I was clear. I was honest. I had integrity. He said, I was unblameable. Nothing could be charged against him. Nothing. He said, this is who I was when I was there. And he's putting this in context of a father. Listen, because in a home, we all know dad, the power of dad is to lead by example. It is. The power you're going to have as as a dad is to lead by example. Not to be a hypocrite before your children. It's to lead by example. Hypocrisy will destroy. Paul says, listen, when I was before you, I did this as a father. I led you. I gave you an example to follow just like a dad should his children. This is how you respond. This is how you act. You fulfill your duties. You do your responsibility. You do justly. You saw that in me. Just like a father teaches his children. And he said, not only that, not only was was an example of you, which is first, he puts that first, because it's more important. He said, but you also had my instruction. He basically tells us, in a sense, when he would preach what he tried to accomplish. He tried to exhort, he tried to comfort, and he tried to charge. And let's dive into those words just a little bit, and we'll get into the the last point here. One, he said he exhorted. This means, what he's, what he's saying here is, the word exhort here means, basically he's trying to get them to do right. When he gave instruction, it, it was to motivate them to follow God. Just say, listen, this is the direction you want. This is how you want to go. The word comfort there, when he comforted, that means to encourage. Especially when things are difficult. He said, listen, just like a father before his kids, when I seen that you needed comfort, that you needed encouraged, I was there. And the implication a lot of times here, as we're going to see here as as he goes on, is not just in a a corporate setting like this would be, but also one-on-one. 
He said, listen, I would comfort, I would exhort. And he also, when he, when he talks here about charged every one of you, that's an interesting word. Um, I really, to be honest, I didn't know what I meant in this context until studying it out this week. It means to bear witness. What he's referring to is this, is that part of his instruction to them, as a father was, know what he liked to tell them? The things that the Lord did, that he bore witness to of God. The stories. Look what God did here. You know, it makes you wonder. I bet you he went through, he goes, he goes listen, when I, when I was in Antioch, I can just see him giving the illustration out. I met this guy. He was a deacon in a church called Philip. Impressive. Maybe he told the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. What took place. You know, he was, in, in other words, he's saying, I bore witness to the things I saw and heard that God did. Those things help. <clears throat> he testified of those things. And so what we see in Paul here is this. He was the balance that was needed for a church to be successful as a spiritual leader. He had that love and nurture of a mother along with the leading of a father. Again, an impressive individual. He had the tenderness, the compassion, the patience, the love. Yet he also was like the father. Being a model example. Exhorting, encouraging, imploring. Come on, let's go. You got this. Let's do it. He was the balance. This is key to this church being successful. I believe that. And then the conclusion here. Look at verse 12. Here's the end that he was going for all of this. Here's why I did all of this. Verse 12. That you would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his, uh, unto his kingdom and glory. Paul saying, no, I, I didn't do this for money. I didn't do this for glory. None of those things. Here's why I did what I did. That you would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. He says, my, my whole goal in this is that you with your life would be glorifying God. That's why I loved you like a mother. That's why I led you like a father. I wanted to get you on this path because life is all about the creator. I wanted you to glorify him with your life. Paul knew what could happen to him. He understood that. He knew the danger still in the world. He knew there's some there that had previous struggles and it'd be so easy for the devil to come to tempt them and try and pull them back. He understood the Judaizers were already coming in, trying to confuse the gospel. No doubt others maybe dealing with different sin issues in their life. He wanted them to succeed. That was his motivation. It, it, again, Paul's so clear. He's such a great... Did you hear me knock that pulpit earlier? That hurt. I think I broke three fingers just doing that just now. He wanted them to succeed. He wasn't about building his kingdom. I remember I got into an issue with that. I was, I was, in, I was in New Guinea and... And some issues were coming up with, uh, and, I, and I got pulled into it with one of the works there on the island with a pastor in, on the main island. And, he, and I'd met him, and he really was a good guy. 
but we had to have a really difficult conversation. And, and so I called him up. It's a conversation that I never like to have. And, and I, I, I was trying to exhort. It was tying into things that I was doing. And, and I told him, I said, I said brother, you, you run a danger of allowing kingdom building to become your motivation. That, that you're trying to get your hands in so much. I said, you need to step back and ask why. Why? Is this a genuine thing? And I didn't use these words, but I'm fitting it for the sermon right now. But the conversation was along those lines that I just said. But is, is, is this about you trying to get uh, people with a genuine concern simply to glorify God with your life? Or is there something else motivating this? Because, like I, told, I tell you, right here in the island, I got it covered. We're working. I don't need your name attached to it. It's not about kingdom building. It's about loving people as a mother, leading them as a father. Why? So they can walk with God. So they can walk with God. That's what it's about. It's not hard. But the devil comes in, he uses the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the, the lust of the eyes, and he just makes a mess. He says, listen, I want you to walk worthy of God. You know what we need to remember? I read this phrase in one of the commentaries. It might have been the Phillips or another one. I don't remember. Remember this. I liked it when I read it. He said, the, the, the commentator or pastor said this, remember, you've been pulled from the gutter into glory. I thought, wow, that's really true. Now, let me bring that phrase home. For some, it's easy to realize. You know, we've read the testimony of Pastor Rose from the gutter. You know, it, it makes sense. But the one that I want to remember that today is our young people being brought up in church. Don't forget, you are no less been brought out of the gutter to the, into glory. The problem is, you're the last one to recognize it. You're the last one to recognize it. That's a danger. Let me give you an example of somebody who didn't realize he'd been pulled out of the gutter and into glory because of the way he was raised, and he was raised right. That's the prodigal son. That's the prodigal son. You know what he forgot? All that he had at home. All that was great about the father's house. That's what he forgot. Listen, young people. Don't forget, you have no less than Pastor Roach have been pulled from the gutter into glory. Just listen to some of the stories from the bus kids. Think of the grace God has shown you. Remember that. And by the way, let me stress this again. On Sunday at the Cantata, we have visitors here. Please be friendly. It's Especially to those that don't look like you. Go out of your way to make them feel welcome. Do you know how difficult it is to walk into a church as a visitor? Think about that. Think of the last time you had to do it. I'm a pastor and it's uncomfortable for me. It is. Walking into a new church like when we're traveling off to go into a new one. It's, it's not, a, you know, it's just awkward. Think if you're lost. I think of, if this guy comes, I'm trying to get to come. Um, he's not going to look like any. He's going to have long hair. 
Boy, if I see, if I see people looking down on them, I would love to church you out of here. Because what he simply needs is conversion. He doesn't have the knowledge I have. That's why I want him here. Paul says, listen, the whole goal of all this was to change your life, was that you could glorify God. Listen, let's face it. The goal of any Christian parent, greatest joy of any Christian parent is what? To see their children following God. It's the greatest joy there is. Nothing compares to it. Looking at this now, it's the same as the greatest joy for a pastor. To see that his members are simply wanting to love God and serve Him. It's the greatest joy. It's the greatest joy. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me ask this real quick. I know we don't have any visitors here tonight, but maybe your salvation has been bothering you. Say, Pastor, I do need you to pray for me. <coughs> I am not certain. I am not certain about my salvation. It's been bothering me. Please pray for me. Would you just raise your hand where I can see anybody here like that right now? I see just some small children. All right, Christian. Paul gives us such a great example here. And it's true. It needs to be true of any of us who are mature Christians, especially myself being being in a spiritual leadership position. But it's true of any of us who are mature when we're trying to help each other. Mature Christians also have a responsibility to help the growth of younger ones. To do that, that means we do need to love like a mother. To lead like a father. To be able to work at it. To put effort into it. the Lord worked on your heart, you come and pray. Or if you have something else entirely, you need to come before the Lord tonight and pray. Well, come and pray. Father in heaven, bless this invitation, Lord. I pray this in Christ's name.